Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you are hurt or disabled, you may be entitled to benefits from an insurance company or social security. I'm Chris Helmer, an attorney at Clark Fork Law Offices. Our Missoula firm specializes in worker compensation, personal injury, and social security disability. There are many unknowns when injured or disabled. The other side is fighting hard. You should too. Call Clark Fork Law at 728-0168 for a free consultation or visit ClarkForkLaw.com. Again, 728-0168. The Missoula Broadcasting Company presents We Are Missoula. Here's Zach from the Dram Shop. I'd like everybody to know that both of our locations are still open four hours a day from three to seven, and that's seven days a week. We are providing carryout service of growler fills and also packaged beer, wine, and cider curbside. And we also have a delivery service going. You can order at dramshopmt.square.site, and we're bringing deliveries all over Missoula once a day. We've been seeing a lot of smiling faces out there who are really happy to receive some nice beverages from us at the Dram Shop. Man, we're so excited that spring is coming to get our patio downtown up and going on Front Street. And the big news is that we're moving forward with construction of our new patio at Central. Come the very nice sunny weather, we're going to have some really nice outdoor seating out there. And we can't wait to see all your smiling faces and raise a glass. And everybody hang in there. We are Missoula. And together, we'll get through this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.
ESPN Radio for Western Montana, KKVU HD3 Stevensville, and 102.9 FM on K275BS Missoula. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colter Duanas, 102.9 ESPN Sports Center. News coming out of the NFL, Rob Gronkowski is returning to the league after a year in retirement. He has come back with his rights traded from the New England Patriots to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He will be reunited with Tom Brady. The Bucs will take on his one-year $9 million remaining on his original contract. They have traded a fourth-round draft pick to the Patriots for that. Also, they've received a seventh-round draft pick from the Patriots. That's the deal. Mike Petrino, now the new head coach for the Montana Lady Grizz, at least until the end of next season. The Kalispell raised and Glasgow native, more than two decades of coaching experience, including in high school in both Montana and Portland. He also served as an assistant for four years at Wyoming and a year at Colorado before joining Shannon Schwain's staff in 2016. Schwain and the University of Montana parted ways on April 1st. The MILB and Major League Baseball released concerning news for Missoula Paddleheads and other rookie league affiliates around the country last week when MLB and MILB officials met on a conference call last week. Multiple sources confirmed that MILB indicated they would agree to reduce the number of teams in this organization from 160 to 120 as part of the new professional baseball agreement. This ESPN Sports Center is presented by Clark Fork Law. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hour number two. Great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcat men's basketball team, with us here in just a moment. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast, Tutel Nuanez podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen anytime you would like to. Tutel Nuanez podcast available thanks to Blackfoot. If you'd like to listen live, you can do that as well wherever you get your internet on your devices, phones, computers, etc. 1029ESPN.com. You listen live on the stream. The stream is available all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. We are happy now to go to the Regis Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the aforementioned head coach of the Montana State men's basketball team heading into his second year at his alma mater as the head coach, Danny Sprinkle. Coach Sprinkle, thanks so much for being back with us on the show. How are you this afternoon? Man, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing good. It's been a little while. You know, you were good enough to give us a weekly hit throughout the season. So, you know, this is a nice reunion of sorts. And uh, since we can't do it in person, we might as well do it on the phone as we're accustomed. I imagine you've been spending a lot of time on the phone and the Zoom and all of that right now. Am I right? Yeah, that's all I've been doing. It's been, uh, I mean, you know how it is. We're just always ripping and running as coaches. You're just recruiting or you're coaching. Like, there's just always something every day. And, uh it's driving me crazy to be honest with you. Just sit at home. I'm not. I'm not a homebody. I need to be out doing something, be around people, and get the energy and things like that. But hey, these are the times we're living in, and and we got to get everybody healthy. So for now, we just got to stay on the phone and do the Zoom calls and and go from there. I mean, you didn't even have a home in Bozeman for like the first two months you had the job, <laughs> right? You were sitting. I don't know where you're on couches <laughs> and on on floors and places, and you finally got a place. It was really happy for you. So at least you get a, an acquaintance with that for a little while. 
Man, thank God, because I'll tell you what. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good three months. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. pretty much homeless. I was homeless. <laughs> I, I was sleeping in my office. I didn't care though. I was so happy to just get that job and get rocking and rolling, man. But uh, no, I'm I'm definitely glad at this time of year that I do have a place to to call my own. Well, a crazy abrupt ending to the season. We don't need to necessarily get into that as much as than what's transpired since then because a ton of turnover on your roster, five guys into the transfer portal, but then that's an opportunity for you guys to get out recruiting. But recruiting's changed a lot with the situation that we have at hand. So just take us through this last month or so just in terms of your roster, what it's been like, what it's like trying to convince kids to come to Montana State when you can't bring them on visits, and just general recruiting strategy, the way it's all changed uh, in these uncertain times. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll address first. You know, the transfer portal, uh, which is which is just crazy. I mean, there's almost 900 names in the transfer portal. You know, which is almost an average of three per team. Uh, and that you know that doesn't even include guys that graduated. So if you think of 13 scholarship guys, if you have three guys graduate, you know you're down to 10. Now three of those 10 graduate, so it's almost 33 percent of the kids in Division One transfer. And uh, you know, it, it, it goes both ways. You know, sometimes, you know, it's a coach's decision and sometimes it's a player's decision. And, uh, you know, I love all the guys that left. Um, I really do. They're great kids, great students. Um, I can't fault them for, you know, leaving. Um, and so, you know, it's just an opportunity. They want to get on the court and play. And, you know, with some of the guys that we have coming in, uh, you know, that we're really excited about, um, you know, just a lot of times that opportunity wasn't going to be there. And so for them to, to play, which is why they're in, you know, in college, obviously to get the education, but they came to Montana state to play basketball. And so, you know, they're going to head in different directions. Uh, but again, it, it afforded us the opportunity to, to recruit some, uh, different players, which we're really excited about. I think you mentioned, you know, we got four guys signed, uh, in the past month. Um, you know, obviously they couldn't visit campus. So we had to do a lot of virtual tours and, and just kind of sending them, you know, information on the school and, and just a lot of telephone calls with the parents, the kids, the high school coaches, the AAU coaches, you name it. And, uh, I mean, it all, you almost find yourself busier because you're just on the phone from starting at 7 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night, you know, just depending on what time zone you're calling. But it was interesting, but everybody in the country has got to do it. And so, I mean, it was a level playing field in that in that regard. Danny Sprinkle joining us, head coach of the Montana State men's basketball team. And, Coach, I know Coulter wants to ask you about specifically a couple of guys who are coming in, but I want to ask you generally about just sort of the geographic footprint here. I mean, you got guys coming from, from uh, you know, Washington, from Idaho, but also from, like, Kansas City, from Colorado, and a couple of guys from Canada as well. And this is the second year. I mean, you had a hugely international flavor to your team last year. All, obviously, with you know coaching staffs and so forth, everybody's kind of got their pipelines. But you throw a really broad net. Where are you finding these guys to come in? Yeah, my assistants did do a great job, you know, evaluating all over the country, whether it's high school, junior college, um, grad transfers. Um, you know, we've we kind of we got lucky. We got pretty fortunate on a couple. Um, you know, Tyler Patterson, the first kid we'd signed uh, from Seattle, who I think is going to be a tremendous player. You know, a six, seven and a half inch wing uh, who can really defend. He, his team won a state championship this year, and his mother actually went to Montana State, and so we had a we had a connection there, which was great. 
Uh, Mike Hood, my assistants found him from College of Southern Idaho, which is one of the best junior colleges in the country year in and year out. And he set the single-season scoring record there, which they've had numerous guys playing in the NBA. I mean, so for him to accomplish that in his one season there was was terrific. Um, Nick Gazelas down in Texas, you know, Coach Haslam and Coach Russell, they they had found him, and, and they knew we needed a shooter uh, with some toughness. And he's a full qualifier, so he'll have three years with, with us, which is awesome. Uh, Bilal Shabazz, a kid, a junior college kid from uh, Colorado who's originally from Milwaukee. And our staff evaluated him actually late last year uh, when we first got the job. He was one of the top returning junior college foremen. And he's 6'8", athletic, and he fits the way we want to play. Um, Kellen Tynes from Canada. You know, we, we'd had our kind of claws into Toronto. I'd actually recruited Toronto quite a bit when I was at Fullerton. In fact, one of the kids that just graduated from Fullerton was one of the best players we ever had there, uh, Jackson Rowe. And so I, I'd had quite a few connections up there, and, and Coach Haslam actually came across uh, Kellen Tynes through, through different contacts we had. And so we got pretty fortunate to get him. He had, he had some really good schools, especially on the East Coast and Midwest, uh, recruit him and offer him. Uh, but he just, when we sent him our, the information on Montana State, you know, him and his mom, his parents fell in love with it first. And then we had to convince him, uh, which a lot of times <laughs> is the case. And then, and then Abdul Muhammad from North Texas, uh, I recruited him very hard to Cal State Fullerton. He went to Gillette Junior College, was a two-time junior college All-American. He's a six-eight wing. And Coach Haslam had recruited him also to Montana State. And Coach Russell on my staff had coached against him when he was the head coach at Casper College. And so... We, uh, we'd been recruiting him, you know, for three, four years, you know, but the opportunity just presented itself to us to, to get him again about two weeks ago. And so, you know, I mean, like I said, it was, it was a broad net, but, uh, my assistants did an unbelievable job, uh, evaluating and, uh, and doing their due diligence and making sure those kids knew about Montana state. The Toronto element is so interesting to me because there's been a lot written about it in recent years. There's been so many great players that have come out of that area. Multiple guys that were number one overall picks in the NBA draft. I mean, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins. So what's the scene like in Toronto recruiting up there? Because it seems like it's become one of the hotbeds of all of basketball. It has. Uh, to be honest, it's my favorite city uh, to recruit to. I mean, Toronto, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's an unbelievable city. And they do have great basketball uh, the word is up there that it really started to get better when the Raptors came there, I think, in the mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. The Vince Carter you're effect. Starting to, the Vince Carter effect. And you're starting to see kids that, you know, and that was only 25 years ago. And so it got popular then, but now all these kids, they've just grown up knowing the NBA like American kids do. And so, I mean, the talent level up there is it's crazy. You know, and there's a lot of hidden gems up there that don't get seen, and that's why a lot of those – Canadian schools, uh, I think they call them U-sport. I mean, those teams, you know, when teams take foreign tours up there, they go up there and just get their butt kicked by the U-sport teams because they're so good. And so it's a, it definitely is a, it's a great place for us to recruit because the climate is very similar, so it's not like they've never seen the snow before. And, uh, you know, they're, just, they're happy to get an opportunity to come to America. You mentioned some of these guys fit in how you, you guys want to play moving forward, and it seems like Jet Quick – high-scoring, competitive guards, and long, tall guys who can shoot it, skilled big men. Uh, that, all of these guys seem to fit one of those two molds. So just the guys that you've signed now, how do you think this adds to your roster, adds to the way you guys want to play? Yeah, I think they all fit, fit really well. 
Um, you know, like you said, I mean, the guards can all shoot it. They're very quick and they can all guard. They have great length. Um, you know, Abdul and Tyler, they're, they're both above six, seven and they're long athletic wings and they can both guard and shoot it, which, you know, it's hard to find at this level. A lot of times to find guys over six, five, that can do that and are skilled enough to play on the wing. Um, you know, Mike Hood and Kellen, both cat quick guards that can really defend and score it. Uh, Nick Gazelle was just a knockdown shooter who, you know, he averaged 18 a game in one of the toughest junior college in the, junior college leagues in the country in East Texas. And uh, and then Bilal, you know, he's a legit 6'8", really athletic guy that can shoot it. And I wanted to add somebody similar, uh, or sorry, I'm sorry, opposite of what Borja does. Mm-hmm. You know, and Borja's really skilled, uh, can shoot it, and Bilal will be a great complement to him, you know, just to throw different scenarios at, at our opponents. Danny Sprinkle joining us, head coach of the Montana State Bobcat men's basketball team you know when you came in last year obviously your, your first year as the head coach a, a bunch of new players who at some level probably every player was new to you in, in some way but also again with six new guys coming in yet again how hard is it to try and get guys to integrate and play together when you don't maybe have the 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 one class or whatever that it's been playing together multiple seasons yeah i mean i think it to be honest i think it's going to be easier this year, which is going to sound crazy, but we're going to have so much competition at every spot that if they're not defending to my satisfaction, they're not going to play. And so it's going to be easier to hold guys accountable from that standpoint this year. Now, on the other end, Harold Frey's not there. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to have to have some different leadership uh, from the players, and uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a harder team to coach because there, it's going to be – there's going to be some really, really good players that might not play as much as they want to. Uh, but, you know, the competition in practice and at every spot, uh, I think really is going to be, you know, magnified to a whole other level than it was this past year. How do you manage but that? But to your point, I will say this. I don't think now with a lot of the transfer rules that they're going to put in place here pretty quick and with as many kids that transfer nowadays – I don't know if you can, it's going to be really hard to, to build programs, mm. you know, where kids are here for four years, multiple kids, I should say, you know, you're going to have your occasional kids that are here for four years, but I mean, it's going to be tough because, you know, kids are going to be, when they can transfer and be eligible somewhere right away, it's, uh, it's going to be hard to hold kids accountable. It's going to be hard to, you know, when kids hit adversity for the first time and all of a sudden their parents want to get them out because they're not playing instead of let them fight through it. There's going to be a whole a whole lot of variables that uh, that's going to make coaching a lot more difficult. I mean, you basically stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, how do you navigate that? Because you do want to build some sort of foundation of a program, but it seems as if it's just the way of the world. It doesn't matter if you win a championship or finish last. Four to six guys are just going to leave every offseason. So, I mean, do you just have to take it as it comes with perspective as a coach, or how do you go about just addressing and managing it? You do. I mean, the way, I mean, obviously nobody really knows what the best way to attack it is. I'm just going to attack it. I'm going to recruit the best players that fit me and fit our university and our community and the way we want to play. And if they end up transferring, they end up transferring, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go with my heart, my gut. And if I think a kid is a fit for our program, I'm going to bring them here and I'm going to just try to get the best players and the best talent possible. And let them fight it out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if kids end up leaving because they're either too good, then I can't control that. 
you know, if we have a freshman or a sophomore that comes and averages 18, 19 a game and somebody in the Pac-12 picks them off, there's nothing I can do, do other than give that kid the best two years while he's here and help him have a great experience. If he wants to leave, I can't control that. Um, you know, and then on the other end, you know, there's kids that aren't going to have the experience that they want and they're going to transfer. And, you know, I mean, it's just all we can really do is just give them the best opportunity, coach them up every day, love them, help them any way we can and mentor them. And you almost kind of just have to let the chips fall where they may nowadays. Montana State Ed men's basketball coach Danny Sprinkle. I was going to ask you this question in relation to losing Harold Frey, but I, I'll ask it just even in a larger context of this continuing conversation. If we are going to experience such roster turnover kind of year in and year out, you talked about getting guys that fit you and your system and kind of what you want to do, but how flexible does your system need to be to try and fit a new crop of players each and every year? And how 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 much variance are you willing and able to create in the defensive and offensive schemes that you want to run depending on the personnel? Yeah, you have to be very fluid with it. Um, I mean, we're going to have to play a lot. I wouldn't say a lot different, but we're going to have to play different next year. Uh, which I'm excited about because I think we're going to be able to be a lot better defensively um, because of our length and athleticism. Now we got to get this group to buy into defense like this last year's group did, but we should have a lot more athleticism and just raw talent uh, defensively to be able to do that. Now, offensively, we're going to have to change things up too, because we're going to have to play a little bit faster to get, you know, to get more guys shots. And, uh, but that's kind of how I wanted to play anyways. Uh, I want to play four out. I want to let guys play free and, and get after it. And, you know, we're still going to take good shots and we're going to still move the ball and make sure the, you know, make sure we're taking the best shot for us. But I want our guys to play free and, you know, and then the next year, you know, we're going to have four good players graduate and we're going to be kind of different from an athleticism standpoint the next year. So we're going to have to, you know, adjust that following year also. We'll get you out of here on this. What's next? And I guess in an ideal world, we don't really know what's next in the current world we live in, but what's next just in general, because I mean, how do you guys navigate the summer and, and everything that's coming up uh, just with the situation that we have at hand? Yeah, I, honestly, I wish I had an answer for you. Um, everything is just kind of up in the air right now. You know, they've already said that our whole you know, university is going to be online for summer school classes. Um, obviously, if they if they do open it up and we're able to get kids on campus this summer for workouts, I'm sure there will be some stipulations where, you know, I doubt they'll let us practice with the whole team in the gym at one time. They might limit it to, you know, four players, almost like an individual workout. Uh, even in the weight room, they might only let two or three in at a time. I'm not sure, but, you know, I'd, I'd find it hard to believe before August that they'd be letting us practice as a full team. And I feel bad. Like, I'm I'm still, man, praying every night we still got a football season because I know how important that is, you know, up here in Montana, just all across the whole country uh, for college and NFL because, you know, it's a it's a day-by-day deal. I know we're actually ahead of the curve with the corona deal in Montana, but, you know, you still look at Los Angeles and New York and some of these major media markets, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, well, Coach, we certainly are, are are wishing and praying for the same thing you are on on all of those fronts. But we we appreciate you coming on and being with us once again. Best of luck to you. Congratulations on the work that you have gotten done here in this uh, off season, and and uh, we'll look forward to being back in the gym one way or another as soon as we can be. You got it. Well, hey, if this thing keeps going, man, I know you guys are going to be bored out of your mind, and and I'll just be chilling at the house. You guys call me anytime. <laughs>
<laughs> we we will hit you up. With what it, can you do? You can do Yahtzee, right? That's Everybody right, can right. roll their own yeah, dice, yeah, and yeah. it'll be it'll be a great well, time. Maybe we'll just yeah. transition this into uh, documentary analysis, and we'll just break down the last dance with Coach Sprinkle and Coach DeKey. There you go. That's that's good. Man, we can do please, that. dude, that'd be awesome. Get, get us both on here, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, Coach, we appreciate it as always. Thanks, thanks so much for being here. You got it. All right, fellas. Talk to you later. Danny Sprinkle, Montana State head men's basketball coach. Our thanks to him again for uh, for his time, for spending it with us. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coulter, I know you got some NFL scenarios you want to run by me, and uh, we'll also update you on uh, Mike Petrino, the new uh, interim head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz, and his uh, opening press conference, Zoom conference, as it were, which will be tomorrow. We'll get to all of that next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you on a Tuesday afternoon. We appreciate you being here with us at Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 102.9 ESPN on Twitter, at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter. You can follow along with us. We appreciate that very much. Uh, Coulter, we got a few things to get to. I know that you want to talk some NFL with me. You got some scenarios. Obviously, Gronkowski coming back. What does that do mean, all that? We kind of talked about that a little bit, but we can get more into it. Uh, Also, though, uh, Mike Petrino, uh, again, yesterday was officially announced uh, uh, per the University of Montana Athletic Department as the interim head coach for this forthcoming season of the Montana Lady Grizz basketball team. Uh, There will be a Zoom conference tomorrow uh, with, uh, you know, question, answer, all that kind of thing uh, with both uh, Mike Petrino and Kent Haslam, the athletic director of Montana. So we'll uh, have a lot more to say about this tomorrow, but I know that you had a couple things uh, just to, to mention about Mike Petrino, especially by way of introduction, because I think a lot of people are, are familiar with him, certainly familiar with the family name, the family ties to some extent, but maybe not the individual as such. Sure. Quick hitter about Mike Petrino. He's the uh, the nephew of Bob Putter Petrino Sr. Who Which the, I mistakenly said grandson right. earlier on. My, that's, that's on me. Yeah, so no, Mike's dad and Putter Petrino were brothers. Right. Uh, Bob Petrino Sr. most famously was the head coach at Carroll College for decades. One of the all-time winningest coaches at that level, for sure. And then gave way to Mike Van Dies, and Mike Van Dies took Carroll College to the next level, winning six national championships. But Putter Petrino deserves a ton of credit for laying the foundation, but also the coaching tree that then matriculated out of that. Former Carroll players that then became high school coaches in Montana, and all the ties that were there. And then you talk about how Helena became a hotbed, too. I mean, Helena Capital was sort of the, besides CMR, the, the dominant program in the state of Montana for a long time under Mark Sampson, who by the way, is married to Putter Petrino's daughter. So 
you have that side of the things, and then almost all of Mike Petrino's family, they're all also in football. You have right. Bobby Petrino, who is Bob's uh, oldest son, who has had um, a mercurial career, but, but that has risen to the highest of heights. I mean, he's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons for a moment in time. He's also been you know, in Arkansas and a variety of other Louisville. places. Uh, and then you have... Paul Petrino, who's currently the head coach at uh, the University of Idaho. And and Paul's daughter, which is Mike's niece, is right. on the softball team at the University of Montana. Right. Mason so. Petrino's twin sister, right. as it were. Right. Uh, Mason Petrino was the quarterback for Idaho. So you talk, I mean, the family ties ne- everywhere. never end. But right. then you talk about Mike's two brothers. I mean, one of his brothers was the head coach at Rocky Mountain College before joining his other brother at Southern Illinois. So those guys are in the FCS college coaching ranks. And then Mike himself is married to Kelly Hayes, or formerly Kelly Hayes, uh, who's the daughter of Eric Hayes, one of the all-time great great Grizz basketball players and then the longtime coach of, of Hellgate. So if you wonder what they talk about at family reunions, I think it's coaching because yeah. everybody's, <laughs> everybody's a coach. Well, and, and Mike though, you somewhat uniquely within the scope of the family basketball, hoops, right? Went, right. Went for hoops. And so he was a head coach uh, for a decade, uh, half a decade. He was at, he was at central Catholic high decade. school okay. in Portland where he was an assistant at first. And then a, the head coach of the boys basketball team. But that's kind of not, not only is he a Montana native and he has all these coaching ties yeah but then there's a huge uh booster base in portland some of the biggest big money booster guys are, are in portland sure there's the nike tie with eric sprunk who's a missoula native who's then been a high up guy at nike for a long time and actually sprunk's kids they all went to jesuit high school which is the other big time private high school in portland so central catholic and jesuit they battle a lot and Petrino, I think that's when he first landed on some some Grizz Circle radars yeah, because yeah. he was the head coach of Central Catholic and led them to multiple podium finishes at the Oregon 6A tournament. Then he goes to Wyoming and does a great job. It should be noted, too. I think it's, it's worth noting. Like, you know, high school sports in the state of Montana are certainly taken seriously, and there's mm-hmm. some great programs with some great athletes. But when you talk about 6A high school basketball in the city of Portland, Oregon, right. it's big time. I mean, that is, well, that's, it's, that's it's, a major uh, – that, that's, you know – we're it's not scholarship just hoops. Exactly. We're not just being, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a babysitter here. This no, no. is big time. No, basketball. These, these kids are getting yeah. recruited out of the top middle schools. And, and like a lot of them are on scholarship. I mean, you're talking about this is a scholarship. Pro- it's, a, it's, a pre-college, a school, yeah. it's a pre-college program. And, you know, Central Catholic Jesuit. I mean, those schools have been top 25 in the country right. multiple years. And they've produced big time players. For a long time too, so that's kind of the first origin of landing on the Montana radar. But then he, he Mike did a great job as an assistant at Wyoming when Wyoming had it really rolling. Uh, most notably, Olivia Roberts from Missoula Sentinel. She went there. She was the Mountain West Player of the Year on the Mountain West Championship team. Uh, so I, I know Coach Pacino had some crossover with her, and they spent one year at Colorado before joining Shannon Schwain's staff in 2016. So uh, a tough situation that he inherits, but I'm sure he's. Happy to have it, and uh, what a program to inherit and at least get a tryout for a year. So we'll have more from both Mike Petrino and Kent Haslam tomorrow after we talk to him uh, right here on this show. Very good. Thanks, Coulter. It's a good rundown to have and certainly a, a good insight to have. And, and uh, you know, for what it's worth, I've had the opportunity to, to talk with Coach Petrino a number of times over the course of his Very 10 nice years guy. as an assistant coach. Couldn't be couldn't be a nicer guy. And, he's, and a, he's a Montana guy, right? I right. mean, he's, yeah. you're just like, yep, that guy's, that guy's from Glasgow. Yep. He's a Montana. He's, you know, I remember the first time we ran into him. He came right up to us says, hey, guys, how's it going? Who are you yeah. guys? Yeah. Cool. Nice to meet you. Right. Great. Uh, we'll be talking to you soon. But yep. he's a very friendly, very engaging guy. So I, we wish him the best. Absolutely. Absolutely wish him the best. Uh, Coulter, the NFL draft yep. begins on Thursday. Yep. We will have the draft for you on Thursday and Friday after our show. And then uh, the, the, 
the remaining rounds in their totality on Saturday. So we'll have that for you all uh, all this week and weekend on ESPN Radio. But we've talked about a little bit yesterday. We've talked about Gronk coming back and now being soon to be mm-hmm. a Tampa Bay Buccaneer pending mm-hmm. the physical, which sounds like it's not going to be an issue. Uh, but what I know you had a couple of thoughts, questions, hypotheticals. So go ahead. I've been really thinking about the way this draft is going to be different because of so many different elements, whether it's the technological elements or the way that it's conducted or the way that the evaluation process has played out. Because we did have the combine. You did have guys have in-person interviews, take the Wonderlick test, take the physicals. But now there's been really none of that. So I was thinking, though, Tua Tagovailoa, to me, is absolutely the surefire number one overall pick if it wasn't for the injuries that he suffered over the last two years. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly the best quarterback. Uh, You and I are in agreement on this in terms of his skill set and our projections because we are football savants of going into the next level of the NFL. So (laughs) I, I, I agree with you, yes. So on one hand, it's so risky to take him if you're an NFL team because you don't have the same medical evaluation mm-hmm. that you would have had in previous years. I mean, mm-hmm. you're making you're going to make a multi-million dollar investment in something if he if he's just going to fall apart. You do, you can't buy damaged goods. That's tough. But then I was thinking with the resources NFL teams have and the way that they've navigated the way that the NFL as an organization has navigated COVID-19 different than almost every other entity on planet Earth. I mean, they just now shut down their facilities within the last couple of weeks. They were like the last businesses that were maybe quote unquote not essential that were remaining open and they've they've done some transitions since then, but I just have to believe that multiple NFL teams have given to Otago Bailoa an in-person physical. Mm. And then you wonder how that influences things. Because say you're a team that has a top six pick, but you don't have a top three pick, but you don't know, there's so much mystery, right? No one knows who gave him a physical. No one knows if anyone gave him a physical. Only person that knows that is Tua, right? But if you know, if you trust your team docs and you know he's healthy, then do you swing for the fences and try to trade up for this guy? I think there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out because of the mystery of his health. Well, and the other thing is, is, I mean, is it about knowing that he's healthy? I mean, we know that he, quote-unquote, isn't healthy, right? I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's, I think it's the long-term damage. Exactly. Though, right. And, and you know, well, I'm not going to get into the medical side of this because I'm not trained and I'm not a professional, but, I, you know, of, of what I've heard, I mean, this is... Let's put it like this. This injury, it sounds like, can react pretty differently across a variety of, of, of different people depending on blood flow and that sort of thing. Point being... At the end of the day, all it takes is is one, right? And you got how many teams that, that need a quarterback that might be looking to draft a quarterback in the first round? Uh, you know, a half dozen, maybe eight, mm-hmm. something like that. Now, if several of them are going, we can't take on, even if we believe that he is, as of right now, healthy, like ready to go, ready to play football, we're not willing to go top five or top eight with him. And we've had this conversation all the time when it comes to value. Every player in the NFL is worth having on your team if the price is right, Mm -hmm. right? It's only only the contract that makes a player, quote, good or bad uh, until they just can't make the team anymore. Within the context of the draft, the same 
philosophy absolutely applies as far as I'm concerned. You could have a terrible pick at five that becomes a great pick at 18. You know, and with this, with the same player, even the same franchise getting this player at the same. I mean, if the Bears didn't take, uh, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky at number two, people probably aren't saying too much about it. Right. But they moved up one spot, spent a lot of draft picks to get a guy that turned out to be at best the third number three quarterback out of right. that draft. Right. Right. So, you know, but if they had gotten him at 20, People would have gone, well, let's give this guy some more mm-hmm, run. He's mm-hmm, showing mm-hmm. flashes, right? Yeah. When it comes to Tua, I think the question that teams have to answer is where is the risk acceptable? Like at what at what point? He's a first he's a first day quarterback. He's going to be drafted on Thursday, it seems to me. Oh, no question. So, I don't think he gets out of top ten. Maybe not. He might not. But I, the, I don't think there's any way he gets out of top ten just because of there's several teams that just got to have one. And people might say, well, what does it matter where he goes? If you have one first-round draft pick, like most teams do, and you use it on that guy, then the, then it's the same. Well, it's not the same because the contracts are staggered. Like the amount of money that you're even under a rookie contract, a top-five pick is making a lot of money as a rookie, whereas comparatively, a number-12 pick, comparatively speaking, especially a quarterback, right. is drastically lower. And so, I mean, if, you, if Tua – if Tua meets his professional potential as a player and you get him at 12 as the second or maybe even third quarterback in the draft, it's a heist. It's a complete bank robbery that you have gotten away with, okay? If you take him at 12 and he fails, you at least have a story to tell. If you take him at three and all of a sudden he right. steps wrong, it's legit, everybody just goes, well, what you know? What kind of idiot are you for doing this thing? You know, so it's it's a very very tough situation to navigate. When you're looking at mock drafts, which I always think are funny, but so often now in the age of information and the speculation and how often these analysts and prognosticators talk to front office people, yeah. Usually by this point, most of the mock drafts, the top six to eight, and sometimes even top ten, look pretty similar. All the mock drafts I've seen, the top two picks look exactly the same. Joe Burrow one, Chase, Chase Young two. Chase Young, yeah. Then it goes completely off the rails. Right. No one knows who's going to trade for who. There's all these rumors that Miami loves Justin Herbert, so they're going to trade up to three to get him. It's also unique because you got the Redskins at two, the Lions at three, the Giants at four. All three of those teams, I think it would be very surprising if any of them took a quarterback. Yeah. So now you have... A couple guys that could be top five picks that almost certainly would be top five picks if they weren't in the same class as each other, or there was quarterback or there was teams, excuse me, in the top five that needed quarterbacks. Right. But just then the jockeying for the Dolphins, who definitely needed quarterback, the Chargers, who definitely needed quarterback, the Panthers. I mean, if you can get to it, you probably do it. Right. Because that's better than Teddy Bridgewater, right? I don't know. The Patriots at 20 the Patriots, something. Did the yeah. Patriots put a deal together? The Jaguars, you know, are they good with Gardner Mishu or, or if someone falls to them, do they take it? And then it gets muddy when you're talking about the Browns, you, the do Jets. Do you think the Vikings the, will take a quarterback? Man, I would die for any of these guys. Uh, probably not. Already sent $33 million for the next couple of years. Keep your one you got. But, anyway. But uh, the other thing that I think is an undertold factor of this, and I am a little bit biased on this for a couple of reasons, but... I, I think Justin Herbert is really good. And I think that Justin Herbert, I think that although I don't think he's as as spectacular as Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and he's not the, the 
the bell of the ball, so to speak, like Joe Burrow is right now. I mean, the, the star that is Joe Burrow. I mean, he's he's a Heisman Trophy winner. The last couple Heisman Trophy winners have had a really great appeal, but not as not like him. Just because of your quarterback that wins the Heisman and the national championship at LSU. Your life is going well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and the, his story, the fact that he was this transfer sure. who never got shot, and he had one year, and he just blew up. That's one of the reasons why I think he's more of a risky pick, but it's also one of the reasons why you're just going to make – it's going to be a worthwhile investment for the first, next four years if you're the Bengals just because of the star that he is. Right. So, so I get that. Tua Tagovailoa is more spectacular than Justin Herbert, but he's also way more high risk. When I look at Herbert – I see a guy who's very much like we talked about comparing with Jared Goff. I think he's Jared Goff, but better. I think he's more like Matt Ryan, but I don't. I don't. It's hard to say that he's better than Matt Ryan when Matt Ryan was coming out of Boston College because Matt Ryan was the number one overall pick. But I'll harken back to that great article I wrote about or that I read about quarterback development in the NFL. And basically, the thesis of the article was there's a definitive reason why guys like the three quarterbacks in their 40s, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and Tom Brady, are bigger free agent targets than Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. It's because of the geometry that is playing quarterback in the mm-hmm. NFL. The smarter you are and the more bank reps you have, the more chance you have to be successful, even if your natural physical skills erode. Justin Herbert, I mean, we know him because he's a regional guy. I've watched him play live twice, so I obviously have a bias. I mean, there's been, I think he has a big-time arm, obviously. But, I mean, I think that the questions about his arm are a little bit skewed. I think that a lot of the criticism about the offense that he came from are a little bit misfounded because I think that if you're going to make that criticism of Herbert, you also have to make it of Burrow. I think that they both had offenses that cater to them and that – we're not nearly as diverse in terms of the reads as an NFL offense is going to be. But then you talk about the fact that Justin Herbert is an, a first-team All-American. I mean, he, he had a higher than a 4.0 GPA. I mean, he had a 4.1 or whatever GPA. I mean, he's one of the great scholar athletes in the country. A brilliant kid. Their family's brilliant. I mean, his brother, Mitch Herbert, was that played at Montana State, was also an academic All-American. So, they're, I mean, they, they are excellent students. They put the work in. And I think that the fact that Herbert was thrown to the fire when he was a freshman – and he had to navigate what was a disastrous coaching situation there where Mark Helfrich basically benched Dakota Prukop through the freshman of the Wolves and then tried to ride it out. And then all of a sudden you have all this transition and the quarterback's coach he came to play for and Scott Frost is out. Herbert navigated that pretty darn well and then got it all the way back to Oregon playing in the Rose Bowl his senior year. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I just think that there's going to be a team that will have fallen in love with the kid during the interview process because he's just so freaking smart. And yeah. I think there'll be a team that maybe some experts would say it's a reach to get him, but I would not be surprised if a team trades up to three to get Justin Herbert. And then if that happens, then where do the dominoes fall? That's the most fascinating part about this draft to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the rumor, again, is Miami maybe doing just that, exactly. which you outline. Here's my thing. I, I like Justin Herbert a lot. You know that I like the smart guys, and I, I I agree a lot with what you say. I think he's clearly the third, the number three prospect of the three. Uh, I, I do question his accuracy a little bit and some of his decision making and the other thing is being smart in the classroom is does not translate to the football field necessarily it can but the intelligence of being a football player okay certainly there's the playbook aspect of it and the retention of information and all of that but it's also there's a certain vision about knowing where guys are going to be sort of before they're there and being able to see it we we hear this all the time 
and and it's a phenomenon that you can't really explain unless you've sort of experienced it but you can see it you can see it happen where the quarterbacks that end up being good are the ones who will always say yeah things slowed down for me and what that sure. means is they were able to process the information now if you're a smart guy you know in the classroom there's a level at which there's there's a a, a propensity towards that so i i do get that but being able to read a certain level of book or write a certain level of essay or even do a certain level of math is far different from the the sort of mental triggers the neurons that are firing that go okay at the snap i already know what i need to do because i've seen this happen and can project it that way and that's the thing that all of these quarterbacks have at some level i mean you're not a quarterback like this going in the first round without without some of that but it's not clear to me that you know the the four one GPA is all that substantial in that respect. There's plenty of examples of guys for whom it is, uh, and and if Justin Herbert turns out to be that, then that would be a guy. But that's not where I would bank on this all that much. I think Herbert's a good quarterback. I think that he's got. I think that there's there's more risk with him than anybody in in terms of these top three. When it comes, is it Jordan Love? Bryce Love. Bright is it Bryce Love? Bryce Love, yeah, from, okay. from Utah State. Bryce Love, uh, as is obvious at this point, I just haven't watched enough Jordan to know. Love, you're right. I, I don't know. I, why don't I get Bryce Love? It's Jordan Love. You're is correct. it Jordan yeah, Love? Okay. Right. Uh, Jordan Love. Who's Bryce Love? Where did, that was a weird Well, now, now you're going to start Googling around. Uh, but Jordan Love, uh, you know, I've watched probably three Utah State games with Jordan Love playing, mm-hmm. and he's, I mean, he he does a lot of the things that you like athletically. The size, the he's, he's the most quote unquote athletic of the well, four. Cer- I mean, certainly. well, he's certainly. not nearly as strong certainly. as Justin certainly. Herbert. That's what Justin's got going but that, for. But, but that offense they were running at Utah State under Matt Wells, though it that offense, I would be so much more concerned as far as your skill set transitioning to the NFL because it's yeah. way more of a read option type offense. I mean, back to back quarterbacks, Chucky Keaton and Bryce Love. Those guys were both. I mean, they're like. They're like super FBS versions of Troy Anderson. Do you know what I mean? Like the, a lot of the stuff is what they're doing is very similar to what Montana State does on offense. That's why Jeff Choate went after Justin yeah. Udy, who had been at Utah State with these guys, because that's what the Cats like to do. I mean, I I, I think Bryce Love is a Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Gosh, I think he's a phenomenal athlete. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But I think that if you're talking about coming out of that offense, though, I would have more questions there than coming out of the other the offense. And, these other and, guys are and, and I would tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I would. It's just, I mean, that's the reality. And that's why this is, quote unquote, a three horse race. It just seems like often there's a fifth, sixth, seventh quarterback in the draft that turns out to be the number two quarterback in turn when it's all said and done in a particular draft class you know that that jump up and could Jordan Love be that guy or others I mean I I don't know but I would go you know I I probably right now you know if I was a team just picking and by the way it matters what you run and what the guys do like you you know NFL teams are built to do certain things as well it's not just about who but I think that Joe Burrow is probably the best pick to have in terms of the safest in relation to health and all the other things Tua as we've already stated I think is actually the best quarterback and is clearly the number one guy but the concerns to me are valid about his health and then I have very regardless of circumstance I have Justin Herbert three. See, I just, I have, I got Burrow three. No. Because you don't have enough sample size on Burrow. And also, I thought Will Kane made a great point on his show today. It's ludicrous to say that any college team could ever compete with any NFL team. Of course. But 
it's not ludicrous to say that the, the frontline number ones on a particular offense could be more talented than a lot of NFL offenses. In other words, Tua Tagovailoa the last two years has played with seven skill players that are projected to go in the first round of this or next year's draft. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Atlanta Falcons, there is no other team that has that in the NFL that has all first-round picks mm-hmm. as their receivers and running backs. There isn't. So that's one knock on Tua. How does he do it when he doesn't have two? I mean, two of the five fastest receivers in the history of the NFL combine were Tua Tagovailoa's receivers the last two years. But that's what, I, that's what I argue with Burrow is that you don't have the sample size. And when you talk about the learning of the pictures, taking the pictures with your eyes, Burrow only has – he caught lightning in a ball. Credit to the kid, no doubt. I just wonder what happens when he doesn't have the hot streak. I mean, one draft analyst, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Peter King. He said, for me to assure you that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be a great player – Cincinnati should hire LSU's offensive coordinator. If that was the case, okay. But I just don't think you're going to have the athletic advantage on the perimeter like LSU had comparatively when you get to the NFL. We'll talk about this more because I want to continue this conversation and agree with you and then, of course, disagree with you next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. I just want to stay in the sun where I find I know it's hard sometimes Pieces of peace in the sun's peace of mind Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen anytime you would like to. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Speaking of podcasts, tomorrow, Justin Angle. Marketing professor of the business school at the University of Montana and uh, the host of a new angle podcast going to join us. Look forward to being with him. Two Tell Nuwana's podcast brought to you by Blackfoot. Culture to wrap up here, I just wanted to continue the conversation that we were having. Yes, the skill position players at LSU with their offensive coordinator are outstanding, and Joe Burrow benefited from that. Tua Tagovailoa has the best skill position players that you could ever have. But also, the other th- the other thing is this. I'm not saying they're the top three, but I would say three of the top five offensive lines, lines in all of college football are Oregon, LSU, and Alabama. I mean, it's not an accident sure. that the, all three of these quarterbacks turn out to be holy cowardly. And by the way, the quarterbacks themselves are really good. I guess my point is just this. That's the funniest the, part is you can't you can't ever compare a college team to an NFL team. Anybody that ever says, oh, Alabama could beat the worst team in the NFL, no, you're a joke. That's, that's, no, no. that's a joke. But the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line was so bad oh, last just, year. Just, just you awful. actually honestly could make the comment that those three teams had comparable, if not better, offensive lines, and you wouldn't be wrong. The thing, I guess the thing about it is this. The best teams in the in college football and you'll agree with me on this, there's just an innate imbalance with almost everybody that they play because it's a recruiting game. You can right. get all the best players. And so, right. like, 
because he's got Jordan Jefferson to throw the football to, or Jeffrey, excuse me, to throw the football to, and Tua has whatever the nine Henry, wide Henry receivers Ruggs, are that yeah. they are going to throw the – you know, it's what it is. It's just what it is. But also they probably got the best quarterbacks going too because they are Alabama and Oregon and LSU. And, yes, some guy from Clemson next year probably going to be all right. We'll talk more about it on Thursday on NFL Draft Day, but I, I, it, it's my belief and I will – fully accept if I have egg on my face in five years, there's no way you'll remember anything five years from now, so I think we're good. I don't remember what happened yesterday. But I think Justin Herbert's going to be better than Joe Burrow. I yeah, do. I mean, look, I, I don't find that outlandish. I think, it's not I how think, I have it right, I, but it's not crazy to I, me I, if I that was think, to happen. I think that Herbert reached the point that very few guys have ever reached, but it's an interesting thing that happens to prospects. He was around so much and he has so much film. I mean, he's a 40-plus game starter that he honestly would have been a higher draft pick and a more hyped guy had he come out earlier because people wouldn't have been able to pick apart his flaws. There's this narrative that he didn't rise to the occasion in big games or whatever. It's because he played so many games. You can, I mean, there's no, there's no film to pick a part of Joe Burrow where you see any weakness, where you have to see him going through adversity. There was none. Yeah. He just threw five touchdowns a game for the whole freaking season right. and then had 57 touchdowns by the end of it, won the Heisman, won the Natty, won everything. How is he going to handle when he's playing behind the worst offensive line in football next right. year right. and he's playing in Cincinnati and it's just it, it's a completely different ball game. The Baltimore Ravens is a whole different deal, no matter how good Alabama is. So yeah. I, I just wonder, I think that, Herbert has had to endure way more scrutiny than either of the other two guys. And I think his mental makeup is superior. How does he translate it? At the end of the day, we could talk about smart or not, athletic or not, great arm or not. At the end of the day, who are the guys that become the best? Yeah. The guys that are obsessed with it. it right. It's, it's the guys that are truly obsessed, obsessed. with it. Yep. Justin Herbert has the mental acumen to be great. Can he become obsessed with it on the level of Peyton Manning? If he can, he could be an all-pro quarterback. If he's just not that interested in it, it doesn't matter how smart you are. You're never going to be that level of a guy. The thing that will be fun, which we'll, of course we will look forward to, but on Friday, presumably, is actually seeing which teams these guys went right. to. Because who's the best isn't even about necessarily who's the best. Sometimes it is, but also it's about where did you go? Right. Like what 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 team, what offensive line is it? What coaches is it? What what skill position guys do you have that you're working right. with? And if you're these guys, presumably not that great in some circumstances totally. because that's totally. why they're, they're picking high. Totally. And I also think the other factor is that the reason that Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, a lot of these guys aren't signed is everybody else is waiting to see what happens. Absolutely. And oh, so yeah. now we're going to have a quarterback influx after these three guys go off the board, and then all these other guys are going to be matriculating their Trying way through the league. Call it right now. Monday morning, Jameis Winston It's going to be a New England Patriot. Let's go. Oh, boy. Boys and girls, thanks for being here on a Tuesday. A lot of fun tomorrow. Justin Engel, join us. We'll talk to you then. ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.